Let's open our Bibles to the ninth chapter of the book of Revelation. We spoke of the first verse in our last lesson briefly, but I'd like to recap that for those that were not here so we'll get a full picture of this ninth chapter of the book of Revelation. And we begin reading with verse 1 again. It says, And the fifth angel sounded. Now before we read the rest of the verse, if you notice the last verse of the 8th chapter, it says, Woe, woe, woe to the inhabitants of the earth by, the, by reason of the other voices of the trumpet of the three angels which are yet to sound. So the 5th, 6th, and 7th carry with uh, this sound, this trumpet sound, or message of these angels, three woes. So the intensity of the judgments are going to be seen in the last three of these angels that sound their trumpets. And so we're in one of them now. The fifth, sixth, and seventh are the ones we'll look at. So it says, And the fifth angel sounded. Remember, there's a woe attached with this. And I saw a star fall from heaven unto the earth, and to him was given the key of the bottomless pit. Now, we said last week that this likely refers to Satan. Uh, The word, uh, I saw a star fall, or fallen actually, the tense of the verb, is uh, the tense means fallen. And there was a time that Satan did fall, and there's a future time that he will be cast out. We'll read that in the 12th chapter. But I think I referred you back to the book of Isaiah, the 14th chapter, verse 12. And also Ezekiel 28, and that's verses 11 through 19, that tell of the fall of Lucifer. Now, this likely refers to Satan here that we're speaking of in 9 verse 1. And uh, Lucifer, which means brightness or morning star. And you know, he's always a counterfeit of the Lord because the last chapter of the Bible tells us that Jesus is the bright and morning star. And there are other references to it as well. So he he tries to even claim the title of the Lord, and he's the one that exalted himself against the Most High. You read in the book of Isaiah 12, verse 14, and Ezekiel 28, and wanted to become like the Most High. Jesus himself said in the 10th of Luke, verse 18, he said unto them, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. Jesus referred to Satan as lightning fall from heaven. So when you see this fifth angel sounded, hold your place now in Revelation chapter 9. Because I'll come back to it if I go away and get a reference, but we'll just go right on down. So always hold your place there, even if you don't have time to look at a reference. Well, do that, please. So it says, The fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star fall from heaven unto earth, and to him was given the key of the bottomless pit. Now notice that he did not have... Jesus has all the keys. He has the keys of everything. And God permits the devil to do certain things. Even back in the book of Job, God permitted Satan to appear and to accuse Job. But the Lord... Then in turn says, Satan, you can only go so far. And Satan himself said, well, you have a hedge built around him. So all power is of God. And if the devil does anything, God just permits it to be done. He doesn't stipulate that it should be done. 
but he permits him to have certain powers. But here he was given the key of the bottomless pit. Now, remember the judgments of God in this chapter are under God's control. Even though there are satanic forces that we'll see in view here, and satanic powers, it's still under God's control. Now that's something that's hard for us to understand, isn't it? Quite hard for us to understand. How the devil can be turned loose, and yet God can stop him at any time, at any point, at any place, and only permit him to do certain things that, uh, that he would do in order that judgment would fall upon uh, people. And we're going to find out that, uh, that in the midst of this, there, these demons are commanded not to hurt uh, certain things in verse 4. And we'll get down to that in a minute. There's restrictions, what I'm trying to say. There are restrictions as to what can be done. So, we're given the key to the bottomless pit. This is a prison where demons are confined. It says, And he opened the bottomless pit, and there arose a smoke out of the pit, as the smoke of a great furnace. And the sun was and the sun of the air was darkened by reason of the smoke of the pit. Let me give you a few symbols before we go any further, because some symbols will show up here as we go along. Uh, You might want to jot some of these down, and if you don't, we'll try to remember them at least. The sun, here's symbols. The sun speaks of authority. And we'll find the moon spoken of in other places. And it speaks of lesser authority. And then the smoke speaks of confusion. And locusts here speaks of demons or demonic. And in the sense that we're going to see them here, We're going to see them as they look like uh, war horses prepared for the battle. And they show rapid progress. We're going to read on down in verses 8 and 9 and along in there as to the character and the way that these locusts appear and their demon powers. Demonic. And the Bible speaks of scorpions here. We'll run across that in verse 3. And scorpions, uh, of course, bring painful judgment when, they're, when they sting a person. We'll find also that their, their breastplates of iron, breastplates of iron down in verse uh, 9, and this shows impervious to the truth, or to truth. Iron that resists, and will, the truth cannot penetrate the heart or the individual. And of course, these were demons anyway, in the form of locusts. And then it says in verse uh, 8 that they have hair of women. Hair of women. And this speaks of seductive attractiveness. And then the teeth of lions in the same verse. That's verse 8 as well. Teeth of lions is savage uh, and cruel. There are certain things here that are symbolized and that you'll see picturized what demons do and how they act and what they do to men when they're turned loose. The sting of a scorpion is spoken of. And we're going to, we'll go that verse by verse as we go down through the um, uh, lesson here now. 
So let's look at verse uh, 2 again. And he opened the bottomless pit, and there rose smoke out of the pit. There was great confusion, as smoke of a great furnace. Smoke coming out of the bottomless pit. And the sun of the air was darkened by reason. So the smoke went up, and it was dark by reason of the smoke of the pit. In verse 3, it says, And there came out of the smoke locusts upon the earth. Now remember, Satan is loosing these demons out of the pit, and they come out in the form of locusts. In the Old Testament, the locusts would come in plagues from time to time. And they would come, Joel speaks of them coming as a great army. And there's much said about locusts in the Old Testament. There was a plague of locusts even in the land of Egypt uh, during the time of Moses when Moses brought the plagues upon the earth, upon uh, Pharaoh and the Egyptians. But it says there came out of smoke out of the there came out of the smoke locusts upon the earth, and unto them was given. Now notice was given power as the scorpions of the earth have power. Now, scorpions sting. And we said that the scorpions are symbolical of a painful judgment. Painful judgment will be inflicted because of the sting of these scorpions. We're going down and read where they, they have power to sting and hurt men, and the sting will last up to five months. There's a limitation to all things. You know, God sets limits. And in verse 4 it says, And it was commanded them that they should not hurt the grass of the earth, neither the green tree. Listen, the command was given they could not... And locusts always eat the grass and the green things, don't they? And the green trees. But it was commanded them that they could not eat the grass, not hurt the grass of the earth, neither any green thing. Now, grasses and trees are symbolical of temporary prosperity. And it says, neither any green thing, neither any tree, but only those men, now look, but only those men which have not the seal of God in their foreheads. Now look here. You see, Satan in bringing these demons and these locusts upon the earth, and they sting like scorpions, and yet God only limited him and they were commanded that uh, only those men which have not the seal of God. So those that we have read of in the seventh chapter that were sealed are divinely protected in the midst of this demonic onslaught. Do you see that? Remember that there were those that were sealed in the seventh chapter? And here, the only ones they could hurt were the ones that were not sealed. The, the uh, Jews and Gentiles as well that were rebellious and that would not receive the Word of God, that were rebellious against God, were under God's judgment, and the devil was bringing the demons to cause the problem, cause the judgment. You know, when we think of God and when we think of His power, the devil can only go so far. And God says, look, it's kind of like when he protected Job, wasn't it? Job, he says, Job, uh, to, to Satan, you can, God said to, to Satan, you can only go so far as far as my servant Job is concerned. He took his uh, possessions, he took his family, 
Uh, and he, his wife turned against him and said, curse God and die. But God said to Satan, touch not his life. You cannot take his life away. And here, the devil was in control here, doing all these things through his demonic powers. He was king over these locusts. We'll read down in a little bit. And yet, at the same time, God had put restrictions on what he could do. And if you think God's not in control, the Bible teaches all the way through. He's in control of even the demons. He's in control of men. He's in control of all the wicked rulers upon this earth. You, you know, we uh, think, well, old Sodom Hussein over there, and we know there was a Hitler and a Mussolini and all of the uh, past wars. And yet, God can, in a moment's time, put an end to those guys. And it doesn't mean that we don't have to fight wars and that there's not battles to be won. When the children of Israel left Canaan, I mean left uh, Egypt and went through the wilderness and entered into Canaan, they, they had to fight for every foot of that land. And the Lord told them to go in and possess it, but they had to, it was not easy. His brother uh, Nichols read just a little bit ago, living a Christian life is not easy. You've got to fight the giants along the way. And you've got to fight the world and the flesh and the devil. But God is more powerful. And He'll help you through. But if you'll notice this now, uh, the restriction. Last part of verse 4. But only those men which have not the seal of God in their foreheads. These demon creatures released from the pit torment men. But there were certain men that they could not torment. These were the ones that God had sealed that they could not touch. Aren't you glad that God has put some restrictions somewhere? Uh, the Bible tells us as far as you and I are concerned that God has put a protective power around us. In John chapter 5, verse 24, Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me, hath everlasting life, now listen, and shall not come into judgment or condemnation, but is passed from death into life. So, having passed from death into life, we're exempt from what? A future judgment. That, of course, is God's judgment. But here, this God said that these judgments that he was bringing through these trumpet sounds, God was announcing them through the uh, each one of these angels that sounded the trumpets. He was announcing a message of judgment upon the world. And in this case, He was using permitting Satan to, to carry out His evil purposes in the midst of it all. That shouldn't baffle us if God is, is all-powerful and He has all power. Now let's look at the next verse. It says, And to them... That is, to these locusts. And to them it was given that they should not kill them, but that they should be tormented five months. So God set a limit on what they could do. And their torment was as the torment of a scorpion when he striketh the man. And in those days shall men seek death and shall not find it. Jeremiah tells us of that. Chapter 8 and verse 3. That men will want to die and cannot die. And shall not find it. And shall desire to die. And death shall flee from them. Stung with such a 
if the locusts were like horses, and we're going, to, we're going to see how large they were in the next verse, the shapes of the locusts were likened to horses prepared to battle. Can you imagine? You know, when a small, if they were had the sting as scorpions, and if a small scorpion, they say in the Middle East, some, some scorpions grow to be about six inches long. That's a terrible big scorpion, isn't it? But I don't want any of them stinging me. But the thing about it is, even a little one. But can you imagine locusts that appear to be like horses running to battle, and they have sting, a sting in their tails? Can you imagine the poison and the, the pain inflicted upon mankind? Well, I'll tell you, there's going to be some terrible things happen during the tribulation period. That's why it not only pays to be saved today, but that's why it's so wonderful that God saved people out of the tribulation. And the ones we've already talked about in chapter 7, that He sealed 144,000, and then there was a great multitude that's spoken of that were under divine protection. Uh, many of the multitude were, were killed, though, and uh, we find that they will be in the millennial uh, kingdom when we read in Revelation chapter 20. We won't go back and reteach the seventh chapter, but you know we gave you an indication that some would be martyred, many would be martyred, and they'll show up again in the resurrection at the 20th chapter. But now look at this. That is the resurrection of the, of the and the completion of all the martyred of the tribulation. The resurrection of of this day and age takes place in the fourth chapter, verse 1. Because after the second and third chapter of the book of Revelation, you have no more mention of the church. The church age will be in the past, and all the things from the fourth chapter, verse 1, will be future after the saints are taken out. So all of these things that we're studying here are future. They're future after the saints are gone. You know, there's a lot of scare tactics today by people that have uh, taken the book of Revelation and, and just thrown it out there and act like this is happening here and now. It's not happening here and now. But it's going to happen, but it'll happen during the tribulation period. And it's, it starts with the opening of the first seal in Revelation chapter 6, verse 1, and Jesus Himself opens that seal and uh, John sees as the seals are opened the whole outline of the book of Revelation. And when the seventh seal is open, all of the book is open. And then it's written on the front side and the back, so it's flipped over in the continuation of all that you find recorded in the book of Revelation. Now let's go on down with verse uh, 7. It says, And the shapes of the locusts were likened to horses prepared unto battle. And on their heads were, as it were, crowns like gold. And their faces were as the faces of men. Here's a description of these demons. And it suggests that they're very intelligent. It's the faces of men, and man suggests intelligence. Sometimes he doesn't appear to be, but it should be. You know, this bottomless pit that we spoke of in verse 1 not only release those locusts, but if you care to turn, the bottomless pit will release the beast in chapter 11, verse 7. Turn over a page. 
11 verse 7, you're going to see the beast that comes out of the bottomless pit. You have 11 verse 7. And when they shall have finished their testimony, this is another subject, and then the the witnesses that we're talking about, the two faithful witnesses in Revelation 11. But verse 7 says, have it? And when they shall have finished their testimony, that's these two faithful witnesses, the beast that ascendeth out of the bottomless pit. I just wanted to point out that this beast is going to ascend out of the bottomless pit, shall make war against them and shall overcome and kill them. Overcome them and kill them. And in 17 verse 8, look in 17 verse 8, you'll have more about him. 17 verse 8, The beast that thou sawest was and is not and shall ascend out of the bottomless pit. And look, and go into perdition. His doom will be go into perdition. And then in chapter 20 verses 1 through 3, you'll find that the devil is cast into the bottomless pit. Chapter 20. In verse 1 through 3. And I saw an angel come down from heaven having the key of the bottomless pit. Now then things have changed now. The angel comes down from heaven and he takes charge in the 20th chapter, doesn't he? Remember, the devil was given the key in chapter 9 verse 1 to the bottomless pit. Now the, the angel comes down from heaven and this is in God's complete control. And he... Uh, having the key of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand, and he laid hold on the on the dragon, that old serpent which is the devil and Satan, and bound him a thousand years and cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal upon him that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years should be fulfilled. So there's going to be a millennium then, but it's going to be the uh, a thousand year reign of. Uh, righteousness and peace. And after that he must be loosed a, a little season. But back in our studies in chapter 9, we'll continue right on. We see the appearance of these locusts now. Let's read it again, verse 7, and we'll go on with verse 8 and 9. And you see the... Well, we go through verse 10 to show you the appearance and come back and talk about it. Let's read 7 through 10. And the shapes of the locusts were like unto horses, prepared unto battle, and on their heads were, as it were, crowns like gold, and their faces were as the faces of men, and they had hair as the hair of women. That's seductiveness, attractiveness. And their teeth were as the teeth of lions. We said that's savage and cruel. The lion with his teeth presents savageness and cruelty. And they had breastplates as it were breastplates of iron. And it says, And the sound of their wings was the sound of chariots of many horses running to battle. When this army of locusts approaches, that's what it's going to sound like. And they had tails like like unto scorpions. That's what we said earlier. And there were stings in their tails, and their power was to hurt men five months. So you see the description of these. This invading army of demons. This demonic army 
to destroy, to hurt men. As a judgment from God, it was permitted to be so, or will be permitted to be so. In verse 11, it says, And they had a king over them, which is the angel of the bottomless pit. Now we know that they're not ordinary locusts, because in Proverbs chapter 30, verse 27, if you want to turn there, Proverbs 30, verse 27, locusts have no king. But here they have a king over them. The king is Satan. So you know they're more than just ordinary locusts. They're demons that are that have a king over them, and the king is Satan. If you have uh, Proverbs 20, uh, 30, verse 27, it says, The locusts have no king, yet go they forth, uh, all of them, by bands. So in the Old Testament, and in the natural sense of the words, the locusts, they don't have a... You know, the, the ants, they have a queen ant, don't they? They have a leader. But the locusts have no king. They all run wild. They run together. No one's telling them what to do or anything. But over here in the book of Revelation, they have a king over them. So it shows that they're more than just natural locusts that we're talking about. They're exceptional. They're demonic. They're miraculous. They're above that which is normal. Satan is the king over the demons of hell. And that is the king. Verse 11 says they had a king over them which is the angel of the bottomless pit, who's in the Hebrew tongue, Abaddon, and in the Greek tongue, his name is Apollon. Abaddon means destruction, and Apollon, Apollon means destroyer. A destroyer. Much the same thing. Only you have it in the Hebrew and in the Greek tongue. What is God saying by having this destroyer's name come out in both Hebrew and Greek? He's saying that he's going to have power over the Jews that are rebellious. And being in Greek, it's over the Gentiles as well. See, his name is identified both for Jews and Gentiles. So that he has power. Remember, there will be unbelieving Jews as well as unbelieving Gentiles during that tribulation period. And he's going to have power over both of them. And he'll have power of destruction over both of them. Let's read verse 11 again. Let that sink in, what we just said. And they had a king over them, uh, which is the angel of the bottomless pit, whose name in the Hebrew tongue is Abaddon, but in the Greek tongue his name is Apollo. Now, this king, the king of demons, of course, is Satan. Now then, if you look in verse uh, uh, 12, it says, One woe is past. One more is passed. That means that fifth angel, his message and his trumpet message is complete. One more is passed, and behold, there come two woes more. There's two more, two more angels to sound and two woes more. That means two more terrible judgments are about to come. And here God gives a continual, through His Word here in the book of Revelation, in verse 12, He gives a continued warning that this is not all of it. My, what we've seen is that these demons coming out of the bottomless pit and having power to hurt men five months and sting as the sting of a scorpion. And they come forth like a, 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 an army of a, a, a group of horses running to battle and causing all this problem. Now then, you can go ahead and apply this to 
what destruction will come to the Roman Empire during those days. And if you want to make a a prophetic uh, application to some of these things, I don't say it's wrong. But I'm just showing you as we look at it how terrible it's going to be because we know that men will be hurt and killed and destroyed. Now then, if you look at the uh, 13th verse, here comes the second one of these woes. Because this is the sixth angel. Remember, there were seven angels that, or seven trumpets, and the fifth, sixth, and seventh. The last three of them have woe, woe, woe. Look back in chapter eight, verse thirteen again. Eight, verse thirteen. Just glance back. It says, "And I beheld and heard an angel flying through the midst of heaven, saying with a loud voice, Woe, woe, woe to the inhabitants of the earth by reason of the other voices of the trumpet of the three angels which are yet to sound. And we've just studied the, one of the three angels that were yet to sound. There were seven total. We studied the fifth one. Now we come to the sixth one in verse 13. Glance down at verse 13. It says, And the sixth angel sounded, and I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar, which is before God. God's altar is seen. And remember that there were offered up the prayers of the saints. Remember the martyred saints of the tribulation, and their prayers were being offered up with the incense. We read that in the 8th chapter, verse 1, and well, verses 1 through 3. And we said the Lord Himself is the one that uh, offers up the prayers of the saints. Let's read verses 1 through 3 in the 8th chapter. And when He had opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven about space of half an hour. We said this was silence, uh, calm before the storm. And I saw the seven angels which stood before God, and to them were given seven trumpets. Now here's the beginning of those seven uh, messages. And another angel came and stood at the altar having a golden censer and there was given unto him much incense that he should offer it with the prayers of all saints upon the golden altar which is before the throne. So he offers Christ Himself here. And we gave you four places where Christ Himself is personified as an angel or comes as an angel. 7 verse 2, 8 verse 3, 10 verse 1, and 18 verse 1. We gave you those earlier. But here, in our context now, if you'll glance back to verse uh, 13, when the sixth angel sounds, you have 9 verse 13, and the sixth angel sounded, and I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar, which is before God. Now then, the prayers that had been presented earlier, the prayers of God's people are about to be answered. God has a way of answering those prayers. And their cry for help is about to to be fulfilled. Remember in this, earlier in the sixth chapter of the book of Revelation, when the fifth seal was opened, and there were the souls under the altar crying, says, God, how long will it be before you listen? Before you avenge our blood on those that dwell on the earth. So these souls under the altar, under that fifth seal, in Revelation chapter 6, I believe you'll find it. And I can give you the verse by looking down to it. It's down there a ways. Revelation 6. 
and verse uh, 9. And they were, right there is where it begins, and they were crying out for God to avenge their blood on those that were upon the earth that had, that had killed them. They were the martyrs of the tribulation. And now, after the Lord has uh, offered these prayers up on the golden altar, and the incense, remember chapter 8, verse 1 through 4, the smoke of that incense went up. Uh, in verse 4, which came up with the prayers of the saints, ascended up before God out of the angel's hand, so they were accepted. And now comes the time that they're about to be answered. That's why we're referred again in chapter 9. Look at it in your book. Look at it in the Bible. In verse 13, that's why we're referred to, again to the golden altar, which is before God, because those prayers are just about to be answered. Now, a lot of things will transpire in answering those prayers. Now, look at verse 14. It says, uh, The sixth angel sounded, verse 13. Now, verse 14 says, Saying to the sixth angel, heard this voice in verse 13, says to the sixth angel, which had the trumpet, Loose the four angels which are bound in the great river Euphrates. Now, there was a loosing of satanic vengeance on the land of Israel. The land of Israel was divided by the Euphrates, the Roman Empire on one side and the Israel on the other side. And this was a boundary line. And God said, loose uh, these four angels that are bound. Some say that these were uh, fallen angels. But whatever the whoever or whatever they were, these messengers, they were under God's control, ultimately. And they were to be loosed. And even though trouble was coming, by the loosing of satanic vengeance on the land of Israel, that would open up the way for, for vengeance to come from the other side of the Euphrates. In fact, if you look at the... Let's see if I can give you the reference... In the 16th chapter, it will refer to what happens when this happens. Verse 12. When this sixth angel pours out his vial. In verse 16, verse 12. And the sixth angel poured out his vial upon the great river Euphrates, and the water thereof uh, was dried up, that the way of the kings of the east might be prepared you see that? The kings of the east, that's 16 verse 12. So that the invasion could come then upon God's people when the Euphrates is dried up later on in the 16th chapter verse 12. But this is the beginning of it back here in chapter 9 that we're studying where the Lord mentions the Euphrates. So follow this now. So... If you have chapter 9, always hold your place where we're studying. If you have chapter 9, verse 13, it says, And the four angels were loose, which were prepared for an hour and a day and a month and a year for to slay the third part of men. The third part of men. Now, they were prepared for what? An hour and a day and a month and a year. 
In other words, they were on God's schedule. God had scheduled exactly the time that they were to be released. And by the way, God has everything scheduled on His time. And we fool around and we try to figure out what His time is, but He knows better what His time is than we do. The only time we know is about looking at a watch. Sometimes that will fool you. They vary from one to the other, don't they? And it's not time for me to stop yet, so don't get that idea. But uh, uh, what I'm saying is God's time, God's schedule is the thing that's important, isn't it? Now, if you, I want you to look uh, what happens when these uh, this number of uh, army is loosed and this river Euphrates. Look at verse 16. And the number of the army of horsemen were 200,000 thousand. Actually, if you study the original, it will indicate that there are 200 million because there's two times 100,000, 100,000. So, 200,000 thousand. That's really what it's saying here. So, there's actually 200 million. Some claim that it means only 2 million. But if you go to the original, you'll find that it proves out to be 200 million. That's quite an army, isn't it? Of the kings of the east, it's referred to in the 16th chapter, verse 12, remember? Making the way for the kings of the east to come. Now, we don't know exactly where the east, what it could be a combination of China and Russia too, or, but east of the Euphrates. But we don't know. It's coming from the east. So, it will open up the way for the kings of the east to, to approach the holy land. God's people. And some people claim that there will be those that number to attack the Roman Empire. And of course that would be before the, you'd get to uh, Israel. Because the Roman Empire was bordered by the Euphrates. But if the, if the Euphrates is dried up like we find over in the uh, 16th chapter verse 12 later on, you're going to find this great invasion takes place. What all it will include, no one will know till it really happens. But you can see the indication of a terrible, terrible conflict at that time. Now, let's read on down in verse 17 and 18. And thus I saw the horses in the vision, and them that sat on them having breastplates of fire, of jason, of brimstone, and the heads of the horses were the heads of lions, and out of their mouths issued fire and smoke and brimstone. Terrible, terrible creatures. By these three was, third, was the third part of men killed by fire and the smoke and by the brimstone which issued out of their mouths. Now what do we have? We have a terrible judgment that is coming. And by this judgment there's going to be one third part of the men killed. But let me give you something. I want you to follow me. Look at Revelation 6, verse 8. Revelation 6, verse 8. In 6, verse 8, when the fourth seal was opened, it says, And I looked, and behold, a pale horse, and his name that sat on him was death, and hell followed him, and power was given unto them over the fourth part of the earth, now, over the fourth part of the earth. Keep that in mind. 
to kill with sword and with hunger and with death and with beasts of the earth. So here was one fourth part of the earth. And now we come over to this passage of Scripture. Now if a fourth part of the earth was killed in that first onslaught of judgment, that would leave, look, follow this now, that would leave three-fourths when you get down to this. And if one-third of that three-fourths were killed here in Revelation 9, that's what it says, that means by the time you get to this point in time in the judgments during the tribulation, half of the population of the earth will be destroyed. If we say, well, I don't know how what the population is now. It changes so rapidly. But we've said like 4 million people. That was a, uh, say, a few years back, they said the estimation was 4 million people. That means 2, uh, I mean billion, not million, I'm sorry. 4 billion people. And if that's true, that means that there would be 2 billion already gone. If we were to take it in this present time of population, and I'm just using round numbers because we don't know what it'll be by then. But we do know this that a great portion of this population will be gone because the saints of God will already be with the Lord in glory. So, whatever amount is then available during the tribulation period, when one, one fourth of it's destroyed in the sixth chapter, and one-third of that, that would leave three-fourths, wouldn't it? Okay. And then one-third of the population, that would mean only half of the population by the time you get through with this judgment we're talking about right here, would be left. So let's read it. And I'll close with the last few verses here. It won't take but just a moment. Just bear with me just a little bit. So, in verse 18 it says, By these three was the third part of the men killed by the fire and the smoke and by the brimstone which issued out of their mouths. And now look at verse 19 through 21. For their power is in their mouth and in their tails, for their tails were likened to serpents and, and had heads, uh, and had heads, and with them they do hurt. Now look verse 20 and 21. And the rest of the men which were not killed by these plagues, yet repented not of the works of their hands, that they should not worship devils. Talk about demon worship. It will be increased during the tribulation period. And idols of gold and silver and brass and stone and of wood, which neither can see nor hear nor walk. You see, demon uh, worship will be increased and idolatry will be increased. And it says the rest of these men which were not killed by these plagues, by this judgment that we're talking about. In verse 21 it says, Neither repented they of their murders, nor of their sorceries, nor of their fornication, nor of their thefts. In spite of the great judgment that will come, and you would think that the terrible judgment as we've already talked about that would destroy one-third of the population then, and already one-fourth had been destroyed, so that would be half the population. Uh, and still, men would not wake up and repent. Have you ever heard people say, well, when God starts judging men, then they'll turn and repent. 
They'll cry like they did in the 6th chapter for the rocks of the mountains to fall upon them, but that doesn't mean that they'll repent. Now then, let me give you something else here. I could detail all of these, but I want to give you this in closing. Uh, In verse 21, there's many things that they were guilty of, and we read it in verse 20 and 21, but I want you to notice especially verse 21. Neither neither repented they of their murders, nor of their sorceries. Sorcerers. You know, the word sorcerers comes from the, the Greek word, P-H-A-R-M-A-K-E-I-A. Pharmakia. And the root, it's the root word for the English pharmacist. Pharmacist. And it means, of course, we know what a pharmacist is. It's having to do with drugs. It doesn't mean a a legitimate pharmacist is bad. But it means having to do with drugs. But the sorcerers, they use drugs. And the same word, by the way, is used for witchcraft in chapter 5 of Galatians, verse 20. And the sorcerers and the witches and the witchcraft use drugs in their ceremonies and things. And in chapter 21, verse 8 and 22, 15... We're going to see what happens. Let me read 21 verse 8 and 22 verse 15. 21 verse 8. It says this, But the fearful and unbelieving and abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers, see that? And idolaters and all liars have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Now then, 22 verse 15. I want you to notice this. It says, For without are dogs and sorcerers and whoremongers and murderers and adulterers and whosoever loveth and maketh a lie. Now what we're seeing, if we know what sorcery and witchcraft does in our day and hour, and think of how terrible, what does this suggest for the latter days? What does this suggest for tribulation days? We face on almost every day of our lives, young people and older, that are affected by alcohol and drugs. And we find people are being deceived by witchcraft and sorcerers this day and hour. 